track seven, the coming of history. The fifth century AD was a momentous one in the story of Ireland. In 431, according to a French chronicle, a man called Palladius was sent as their first bishop to the Irish who believe in Christ. He was followed not long afterwards by Patrick, the future patron saint of his adopted people. The growth in popularity of Christianity was a harbinger of the early medieval period, an era when Ireland began to enter the written record. The trappings that Christianity brought helped to mark this out as a golden age of artistic endeavour, one that produced masterpieces such as the Book of Kells and the Arda Chalice. But despite all the opulent creations for which the early medieval period is recognised, it is the remnants of ordinary lives that are the most recognisable to us in the landscape. To live in rural Ireland today is to be constantly enveloped by the story of our early medieval past. It manifests itself across much of the country in the form of a single monument type, the Ringfort. The remains of the banks and ditches of these enclosed farmsteads are common across the country. Many survive today as small, circular rings of trees and brambles in otherwise neatly planted fields. Traditional folklore describes ring forts as the home of fairies, and to tamper with them is to invite a truly dreadful curse. This belief is one of the reasons that many have survived relatively intact to this day. At one point, there may have been more than 60,000 dotted around the island and tens of thousands are still visible to this day. Built and used throughout the early medieval period and beyond, there was a peak in their construction between around 600 and 900 AD. So common are they that it seems they were the only major settlement type from this period. But increasingly, archaeological excavations like those in advance of the M8 are revealing our hidden early medieval landscape and uncovering a rich variety of evidence of how people lived their lives. Between the 7th and 9th centuries, those looking up from their journeys on the river function at Ballinacarriga were greeted by an impressive sight. High above them, perched on a cliff edge overlooking the waterway, was a fort. This was not like the ring forts elsewhere in the landscape. Instead, the builders at Ballinacarriga had moulded their design to the advantages and challenges of the topography, leaving the steep, water-facing western side of their settlement undefended. They had battled high bedrock to construct a D-shaped enclosure that was part earth-cut ditch and part dry stone wall. Within the 2,000 square meter interior, they then built a number of structures, including a central rectangular building and areas for ironworking. They had also dug an underground chamber, known to archaeologists as a souterrain, which was perhaps used for storage and as a refuge at times of trouble. The people who lived in Balinacarriga had gone to the trouble of picking out an imposing spot for their settlement, 
but others were less concerned with showy displays of military might. In Gortnahaun, at the base of the Kilworth Mountains, another group of early medieval builders had established their home. Among the structures they constructed here were two roundhouses. The larger was 7.2 metres in diameter, with an internal hearth and posts that had once supported a thatched roof or loft. When the house was lived in, during the 7th and 8th centuries, rainwater dripping constantly over years from the roof had worn away the earth, forming a distinctive drip gully that was still visible when the archaeologists excavated it. Gordahaun represented a very different type of settlement to that of Ballinacarriga, whether a result of location, social standing, personal choice, or the moment in which they lived, it is evident that early medieval people made their homes in a variety of settings, and not just among the ring forts that remind us of their presence today. The historical record, much of it set down in later centuries, adds further richness to the story of these sites. One remarkable survival is the medieval text known as Cricadancheli, dated to the first half of the 12th century. This work details the land, churches and chief families of the old Irish kingdom of Fermoy, or Firmai. Historians can use the text, along with other annals, poems and eulogies, as a springboard to the history of earlier centuries in North Cork. They have revealed that the cliff-edge fort at Berlinacarriga once lay within the estate of Coulbedon, and can even offer a name for the family who may have once controlled it, the Ihaivinic. The roundhouses at Gortnahon lay within the estate of Cahadrania. Those who dwelt there could have been accustomed to a royal presence, as nearby Cahadrini Hill, so long the heartbeat of the local landscape, emerges in the historical records as the site of the Onoch, the annual assembly of the kingdom of Firmai. The people who lived in the Gotnahauna roundhouses were likely under the direct dominion of the Onacht Glenamaunach. We even have a name for one of the kings who controlled the area, Cahalmach Fingwina, whose footsteps may well have once graced the threshold of the Gotnahauna roundhouse. <laughs>